Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Welcome to Big Screens and TV Streams, live from the Grand Forks Best Source Studios. I'm Dale, along with producer Paul, who's at Rocking Production. He'll be here momentarily. And joining me once again is Victor. Welcome, man. How's it going, guys? Uh, well, I got some news for you guys. Oh, we all have news for you, to be honest, because not only is it movie time to talk about every movie in the world, but it's Oscar season this year. That's right. So get your popcorn, your girlfriend, and everyone that you know, and get your Sunday best on, because it's going to be a rocking show. That's Jimmy this King. Sunday? Oh, yeah. It yeah. is this Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, all bloody Sunday. Sunday, as the song goes. Um, unfortunately, though, you better hope that Jimmy Kimball doesn't feel that you're slipping away from your voting tally. That's right. Don't cheat, everyone, because we'll know and we'll find out. Yeah, if you missed our last show, we did a little Oscar preview where they revealed the Oscar candidates and stuff. We kind of ran down the major categories. We kind of gave our predictions. So yeah, that was a lot of a lot of fun. It'll be. It's always kind of a hit or miss if there's crazy drama going on at the Oscars oh, each, yeah. each year. So. Who knows? Who knows? But we want to see your Oscar predictions, and we're and we're going to be doing our inaugural movie swap episode yes. here coming up later. If you missed our last show two weeks ago, Victor, Paul, and myself, we all presented three movies to each other, and we all got to pick one movie each from each of us to talk about on the next show. So we're going to be reviewing three of our picks from many years ago to maybe not so many years ago. Yes, It's, it's going to be a ton of good stuff. Uh, to get in on the chat with us, uh, check out the GFBS social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. We want to hear what you guys have to say in the live chat or call or text in 701-213-0863. And if you are not joining us live every other Thursday at 1 p.m. on GFBS, you can always find our shows to listen to anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast or social media apps by searching GFBS. All right. Uh, before we get too far into the movie coverage and all that, we got to make sure to give a shout out. Uh, a couple shout outs here, actually. Uh, we got to talk about a huge benefit going on tonight here. Uh, this is for one uh, Lucas Schaefer. Uh, it, it's uh, he was paralyzed from the chest down in a in an awful UTV accident, Ooh. and uh, a benefit is going on tonight. Uh, Thursday, February 15th at the VFW in East Grand Forks from 5.30 to 9. Uh, there will be a free will offering with food from the Broken Drum and a silent auction uh, with many, many items up for auction and, and raffle drawings. Uh, GoFundMe has been started uh, for Lucas Schaefer. Just search Lucas Schaefer on GoFundMe. Uh, and that has been set up. Or you could drop off donations at... Uh, uh, any first state bank location in the area. So people who want to help can either stop by or mail a check to any of the five first state bank locations. I know I'll be there tonight. I'm going to make sure just to help show support. And yeah, I know John Roberts, GFBS, he owned John Roberts going to be emceeing the event. So, uh, well, we're definitely going to be there helping support Lu the Lucas Schaefer benefit. We hope to see you there. And uh, we also want to make sure to give a shout out to our, uh, to our friends at the River Cinema 15 and the Shire Bar and Grill. Go ahead and make them your next dinner and a movie destination. They're both located inside the East, the River Mall in East Grand Forks. Now, you can either dine inside the movie memorabilia packed restaurant in the Shire or take your meal to go to the movie you're attending if you want to mix it up from the old standard popcorn or nachos. Some of this week's featured attractions are Poor Things, Mean Girls, 
Argyle, Lisa Franken- Frankenstein, and so many more. You can find the complete showtimes online at rivercinema15.com. Don't forget about the Tuesday $5 movie special all day long and the $5.50 senior matinee special on Wednesdays and Thursdays. River Cinema has luxury recliners and expanded concessions that's now that now serve adult beverages and it is family-owned and operated. So check them out, River Cinema 15 and the Shire Bar and Grill. Okay. Well, as always, like to do, we usually like to kick things off with a couple of news items. You know, Victor, you're you're on totally on top of it. Big plug for the Oscars this Sunday. Mm. Uh, I I'll probably be ch- usually it's like four hours long, so usually I just catch the highlights on uh, afterwards. But uh, you know, for the people that can brave through it all, they usually have a lot of like, musical performances and special tributes they do throughout the event. So yes, I'll be big. Not to well to to be fair, just to you know give you an update. Uh, it is not th- it's not technically this Sunday, but it is coming up, guys. Oh, it's not it this is, Sunday. No, it's not oh, okay. this this Sunday. I was going to clarify with you. It okay. is on March of the tenth. It's going to be on a Sunday, so that's going to be very cool to to see. So you guys can just don't worry. It's not going to happen right this second. It's going to happen on March tenth, which is on a Sunday. Uh, so get it's ready. A month out, yeah, but yes. it's, it's coming up close, guys. So br- don't don't slip. Get ready for it. All and right. Then, and then uh, some uh, sad news to report here. Uh, yeah. Unfortunate pa- pa- passing in the Hollywood world. Uh, I think it was just a few days after our last show. Uh, Hollywood has lost one of its uh, one of its greats, uh, the one and only Carl Weathers. He uh, died from complications of heart disease, uh, uh, which he reportedly has been battling for years. And according to details shared from the late actor's death certificate, uh, he was 76, and the death was listed as atherosclerotic uh, cardiovascular disease, which caused him to die peacefully in his sleep in the early morning hours of February 1st. Uh, there's been I've seen so many tributes on social media, online, everywhere. Uh, he was credited with over 80 films and TV shows. Uh, I guess I'll throw, I want to, I want to see what, and he actually, his last project he filmed was actually a a Super Bowl commercial with Rob Gronkowski. I don't know if you guys caught it during the Super Bowl there, Uh, but uh, I I saw that tribute to him. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, he he was like helping Rob Gronkowski train to make like a special kick in a little segment. So he got, you got to see something air post-mortem for him. One last little uh, thing he filmed. Uh, But uh, man, I was just sort to you, Paul and and Victor, just favorite memories of Carl Weathers. I mean, Rocky, I grew up with this man and, and the fact that he is now gone, it's, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this was the man that was like he wasn't pretending to be Apollo Creed. He was Apollo Creed. Like, and the fact that he gave him, like even Stallone, a chance to show and prove himself in the ring, and he literally told him, like, money doesn't make you great. Like, th- this is what makes you great. People think that you can just turn off being an athlete. You can't turn off being an athlete. This is who I am. I like being who I am. You may not like being who you are, but I like being who I am. And that was the greatest literal like there are a lot of movie speeches out there especially the one he gave in uh of course rocky balboa but this one in this was in rocky three he i have the tiger like literally he literally was looking him straight in the eye and telling him like no i like who i am and i want you to like who you are don't turn this off and I mean, come on! It's so many classic quotes. Like he's so he's so tough, man. Like it, but he's tough, but he's stern, but he's fair, and that's what a great leader is. And the fact that he even took on Dolph Lundgren and said, "No one's stopping this fight. No one's stopping oh. this fight. Don't you dare stop this fight. Don't you stop this fight for nothing." And that's he just kept going. Great, you great know, Rocky movie moments. Paul, you know, it was great to see it. You know, obviously Rocky, oh, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just. A, 
beast of a guy, but it was also nice seeing like his comical side and like Happy Gilmore and everything. Yes. Chubbs, yes. yes. But the there is like the one thing that Carl Weathers will be embedded in everybody's mind forever. And well, I haven't been to the gym in I don't know how long because I've been trying to figure out a way to make money. So let's go to Victor's camera really quick. I knew he was gonna say. Oh, son of a bitch! Yeah, right there. <laughs> that is one of the most iconic images that oh anybody can think of. Oh my oh, god! I knew he was gonna do that. Just on when, the I same looked, page. when I looked at when I looked at him and he looked at me, I was like, "You son of a bitch!" Oh, I, love it. I love it. Hey, we got. To give out the uh, crowd clap, yes. That was literally one of the greatest movie references ever. Just that hold and that pose between two amazing athletes, literally, just to see how tough they both were. And my God, man, like, there's no movie moments that could take it away than Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers proving just how tough those dudes are. And oh, man, Arnold, that was such a great I was movie. reading so many attributes over the last couple of weeks here. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, went on to say that it, during filming for, for Predator, he would just observe uh, Carl Weathers just, so, to, just to notice his presence on set uh, to kind of absorb how he would absorb and just doing like the little things in between takes waiting for the cameras to come on. And that, that the real, the, like because he wants to think Predator, that's kind of like right before Terminator 2, uh, around that time where he's really starting and you get outside is just the oh, big yeah. man meat role kind of that well, stereotypical role. Yeah, and I think you know that that was uh, it was from Predator. Yeah, and I think it was pretty close to around the time of like the Rodney. Uh, what was it? The Rodney King beating? Is yeah. that what it was? Almost, yeah, almost. You like know, so the time. you know the you know, within a couple of years. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know the white and the black fist uh, or handshake coming together. Yeah. You know, it was a, a really impactful statement. Not only that, but it was it was just the fact that even after all that, like it didn't matter. Like that was true unity between not only athletes, but just professional and talented, very talented, two very talented people. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like th- that was ultimate muscle. That is what Hollywood needs. Again, that's what they need. Showing ultimate muscle between two powerful people, that's what they need. Yeah, yeah. Well, was... not like Robert Pattinson being Batman. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I love Robert Pattinson. He's a great actor, but yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I do think, like, that's what they need to do again. Like, actually, like, build muscle. Like, even Chris Hemsworth. Like, you can look at... Uh, I was gonna say, a lot of your superhero movies, the guys are pretty jacked. They are, but see, the funny thing was, like, for Aquaman, especially, and I bring this up because it's true like Jason Momoa like he he didn't really work out for that movie as he stated in an interview he said I'm not lifting a weight unless somebody is paying me and if someone is not paying me well then <laughs> I'm kind of not going to do anything if you know what I'm saying so. but uh no I, I can only echo your guys sentiments I mostly associate Carl Weathers with yeah. Apollo Creed and Rocky, uh, along with, uh, you know, in Predator alongside Arnold, Chubbs and Happy Gilmore. Uh, and then uh, one little one that kind of really stood out with me, I was a big fan of The Shields, probably like my, one of my all-time favorite shows. And he oh, yeah. he was like a recurring character. He was in a handful of episodes of, of The Shield as like kind of like a, a, vet, a veteran cop just kind of coming out to help out for a couple episodes with uh, uh, with one Mr. Michael Chiklis as, as Vic Mackey there. Uh, great few episodes in that Wasn't he that Action show. Jackson, too? Yes, oh, he was Action Jackson, uh, and he was also uh, so like 
and you might not have recognized him, of course, by his face, but you may have recognized him in this voice. He did a uh, Toy Story special for the, the uh, it was a holiday special, and he was also doing, uh, he was talking to Jesse in his, his very tough, amazing voice when she was afraid of the dark, and Jesse was kind of hiding herself away, and he's like, don't you quit on me, soldier. Don't you dare quit on me. You better than this. The oh, dark doesn't yeah. scare you. I should be the one that scares you. <laughs> And I, yes. just, I just couldn't. And, and and also, just a quote because this Paul had said this. Like actually, before I even came on this lovely, lovely show, uh, <laughs> I could I could remember when I came in the first time. <laughs> I had my head shaven and I had my, you know, mustache and everything. And uh, Paul had said, "You look like Carl Weathers." Oh, really? <laughs> like literally? Oh, wow. And I was like, "No shit." <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. It all comes full circle. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I was like, "Holy well, shit!" Well, <laughs> Carl Weathers, you will be forever missed. Uh, oh, rest him. in peace, good sir. Ding, oh. ding. All right, TV. Paul, here's a topic you, you got. You, you mentioned to bring up for today's show. Uh, I figure we could just spend a couple minutes here on it. But uh, we're going to be talking about Halo for our first uh, show. T- uh, first show topic. The first the other uh, season premiere for season two. Uh, but it was like a two year gap between. It's just under a two year gap between when the last when the first season ended and this one starting. And and you're kind of, you're m- making some interesting points there about wow, not that many shows do that long of a gap between two years or at least more than a standard year in between seasons. I did some digging online. I thought of a couple other examples. And so I'm just kind of wondering what you guys think if 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 for like for a show like Halo if it takes that much time to maybe pack in some more CG and special effects for a CG heavy shows is it worth it? Or for other shows that have two year gaps, I noticed like uh, the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones had two year gaps. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that. <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm, they just started their last season, 24 years, 12 yeah. seasons, two year gap between every season. Uh, the last few seasons of Sunny Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, were two seasons or two years in between seasons. Uh, so those are just a few examples. Which is uh, which is funny because uh, Mac uh, had to literally gain, lose, and even pack on muscle. And they're like, there's something different about you. That's why they had to take breaks because he was literally, he had a gallon full of ice cream. He microwaved it and he drank it. And then he literally showed up to set as huge as a whale. And they're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's really concerning. Like, you need to lose that. Yeah, there was like, yeah, because, yeah, there was, I think there was like a season where he was, he just, he he went off the wagon and he just gained weight or something. Yeah, I thought he had diabetes. No, he he literally gained weight on purpose. Just did it for just, oh, I think I'm just going to be fat this season. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah, just had a big old, big old gut, and yeah, that was just his. And then, then he lost it the very next season. Yeah, and then he got like massively jacked. Yeah, like extremely jacked. Yeah, I've been watching him on that uh, Welcome to Wrexham show for off uh, FX, and yeah, I'm like, well, I don't remember him being this jacked before. What the yeah, hell? Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but Paul, I know you brought up this topic: uh, pros cons of uh, shows with like more than, like two years or more between seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you, it loses its you know its. Rel- kind of funny relevancy spark. Or, yeah, yeah. Spark. oh yeah <laughs> guilty spark yes yes but, uh you know i i would prefer that even if they were to you know if they were going to go heavy on like the cgi and everything instead of rolling a, out a season after two years just do like half one year and then half the next year but still keep it relevant yeah. still keep people interested because now I'm watching the second season, and you know the first season is mm. so in the back burner of my brain mm. that it's hard to even re- kind of remember 
what was going on. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. That's actually a pretty interesting, I think, uh, compromise. Uh, instead of doing waiting two years for eight episodes, they could do four episodes, year off, uh, then another four episodes, and then and then another year off. I mean, sure, four episodes short in season was you know not ideal, but it's better than maybe two, waiting two years and forgetting like eighty percent of what you saw. Exactly. I mean, a recap does is is helpful, but it only does so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think because like even if even if you do the recap, because they did this what they did this on Deadwood, and Deadwood only lasted what three to four seasons, and most of it was cut into a, mo- a feature length movie. What was supposed to be a feature-length movie, and then they cut it, and then they kept talking about it, and then they're just like, "Why don't we just scrap it?" And it was kind of ridiculous because it's like, "Well, we put all this work in, and we wasted all this money on this, and it's like, well, now we're not going to do it." So you know, the two-year gap it makes sense if you're doing things like you know American Horror Story or True Detective, where the, pre- the the previous season has nothing to do with. The next one. Yeah. You just know that it's a good show. Yeah. And it's going to have a, a completely new set of characters, a completely yeah. new plot line, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, but, I get that. Yeah. But if you're doing That's a continuation of the last season, yeah. you can't have that big of a gap. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. That's, that is, uh, that is a very, no, that's a very cognizant point. I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think maybe some kind of middle ground. Yeah, just breaking it up into parts, spacing out, you know, year after year after year after. Or, or mini segments. Yeah. You know, you can do, oh, like, yeah, little yeah. off stories. Yeah. Oh, you like know, a so, spinoff. Uh, or yeah, so, so yeah. instead of, like, you know, following Master Chief, you do a little spinoff of following another character just oh. to keep it kind of, you know. Maybe they could do, like, three, like, 15-minute shorts or something like that. Yeah. Just to keep it relevant. I also think it's because, like, in – TV shows are getting super expensive, guys. Like, I, I can't tell you. Like, you think this show costs a lot? Like, look at other shows. Like, even Game of Thrones and House of Dragon and, oh, my Lord, every show from HBO, you talk about spending money like they ain't got any? Oh, my Lord. They really did. That show cost them, like, I'm sure... I'm surprised yeah. they're not even bankrupt after I, that show. I don't, I don't know if you guys have watched it yet or anybody has watched it, but it is awesome how badass they make the Spartans in this. I mean, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I caught up. Like, yeah. I've seen it's, 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 it's kind of like watching Robocop. Yeah. You know, they, they get in these suits and I mean, they can just run super fast. Yeah. They don't get tired. They're, you know, climbing up mountains. And oh, I mean, yeah. they're just, they're just balls out. It just, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Warriors. And it, it, it's, you know, you think about playing the video game. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can run forever. Yeah. You don't like, get tired. Yeah. I mean, actually, I guess you do. I, I think that does have, like, a certain... A cool-down meter. It has a, it a, cool has down a little meter. bit, it, but, like, yeah, like Paul said, you don't really get tired. You don't have to do anything. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're does jumping, all the work. You're, you know, you're jumping from one, you know, mountain ledge to another. Yeah, those big like, launch nobody cannons. would ever do that, yeah. like, if you weren't in the Spartan suit. And they do a really good oh. job of making that look realistic yeah. in oh, the yeah. second yeah. season. Yeah, why, why don't we transition here? We could go ahead and jump right into the season two of Halo. It's streaming on Paramount Plus. They did a two episode premiere last uh, Thursday. Uh, new episodes are going to be, I, I know I got it noted here. Actually, it'll be dropping Thursday night uh, tonight, Paul. The new episodes will drop until the finale on March 21st, eight episode season. And so this oh. season now, it's like about, oh, I'm guessing about several months after the events of season one, it appears. And it looks like, you know, the, the four main Spartans, known as Silver Team, you know, you got your Master Chief, uh, uh, I believe Vanek, uh, 
uh, Kai. Uh, yeah, so they're they're back, and like they all took out their pellets, so now they all kind of got their own free will. And cause I think only a couple of them did by the end of uh, season one there. So now they all got their own free will, and they're all uh, so they they have feelings, and uh, <laughs> and it's interesting. But they're all kind of battling with demons, like uh, you know, Master Chief. Just in these first two episodes, they're kind of saying he, they're maybe alluding to he may be having hallucinations from the blowback from all everything that happened uh, with how how Cortana is no longer with him and all the stuff that happened at the end of season one and uh and then like some of his teammates are one of them's like maybe it's reached the end of the line maybe they not, may not be as think about kind of hinting at retiring other ones are kind of hinting at it could be some other potential conflict with the squad and they got a new leader to replace dr halsley since she's kind of mia mia and they're hunting her down they got this new new leader called uh Joseph Morgan, uh, no, excuse me, James Ackerson, played by Joseph Morgan. He's just like this intentionally smug British guy who's just bossing him around and and like kind of doing all this like psychotherapy to try to like he, they're he's trying to egg him on to talk to get him to like admit they're not ready for combat. I don't know, uh, Paul. Me and you are completely uh, up to speed on the first two episodes so far of Halo uh, season two. How did you like these first two episodes? How how it set up Silver Team? Oh, I, it's entertaining. I mean, it's great. Uh, the action scenes were phenomenal. There is one thing that has been bothering me, and it's so completely petty. It has nothing to do with the show at all. But uh, it's John, who I think is Master Chief. Oh, yep. Played by Pablo you know, Schreiber. Yep. Because I, I watch it on a 70-inch TV, okay? Um Oh, here we <laughs> now go. that now that you, I'm going to point it out. Oh, here we go. And I'm waiting. For once it. you guys see it, you're, gonna, you're not going to unsee it. I'm waiting for it. Let he it. has the biggest nose on oh. earth, <laughs> and it's like every camera angle is like looking up this massive schnoz on this guy. I can't, I can't stop. I, I can't stop noticing it. I'm like. Like, quit looking at his nose, quit looking at his nose. 70-inch <laughs> 4K makes it glaringly uh, yeah. unavoidable. Yes. <laughs> they say the camera oh adds 10 pounds, but I yeah. wonder what they say about TVs. Yeah, I yes. mean, it's 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 stupid, but it's just one of those things that I just just keeps bothering me. Paul, I know you're always, you always like to point out when the, when a show doesn't uh, disappoint on, on action, you always like to give it props. I, I gotta, I'm curious. It seems like both episodes had really good standout uh, action scenes there. Uh, definitely had moments for storytelling and, and pacing to kind of set up the backstory, but there was also, I, I want to say, at least a couple of big action scenes in both these first two episodes. They're kind of hinting at, uh, you know, I've actually read a couple of the Halo books and from playing the video games. It's, it's, I've seen a lot of similarities. Maybe not 100% one for one, but enough to where you're worse going oh yeah that's right that's right uh you know the covenant the big alien race the big bads from uh, the halo games uh, uh they're they they found the galaxy that earth is in and they're kind of picking away at the outer colonies working their way in and so first episode you you, you, you see the, uh, the the marines and the spartans trying to rescue a small outer colony from getting they call it uh, the covenant they call it the term glass when they just extinguish a planet with all these gases and all that and so you get a, some really big intense melee encounters with uh, master chief and some covenant elites that was pretty in your face huh oh yeah it was awesome yeah yeah just and then, then they're busting out the plasma swords too and yeah. like guys what was a master chief I, I think i was trying to keep a tally uh before he kind of got into got get the hell out of their mode was it master chief taking on about what, what would you say like maybe a dozen elites oh yeah yeah easily 
Yeah, so yeah, you have that crazy action scene. And then they're going all out with these CG special mm-hmm. effects with like kind of a little bit of space dog fighting uh, and then just a lot of space walks uh, in some, some outer space scenes, doing some exploration. What, what's been some other standout action or just CG special effects scenes that stood out to you? Uh, just like I said, I mean, the, you know, the running, the, the jumping up, a, you know, climbing mountains and... Not to be you know, like smashing down like 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 talking about superhero poses when they come down, the earth like shatters under them. And you know, and then you know, so you got this girl, and you know, she, she puts on the suit, even though underneath she's completely like hurt. But you know, they go directly into like game mode. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you see him, see her running super fast, climbing all, but then it goes into the like you know her aiming and shooting and it's and it's just like you're playing the game mm. the perspectives and everything i mean they're completely on point uh. and then they have an interesting little subplot uh, if you remember the first season soren a former spartan that uh, master chief kind of interacts with for some help in the first season he has his subplot here in the second season where he's trying to track following a lead to track down uh the the doctor dr halsley there and, and trying to follow her and then you have dr halsley's subplot i don't want to give anything away there with what you know her aftermath and where she is where she may not be and some various interesting uh interactions with her and those takes those subplots are those kind of keeping you at baited kind of mix it up from all the spartan stuff or you want a little bit curious to see where they go next so those subplots would be what i was saying earlier those, those should have been oh like la- a, last year last yeah. year released as like a little spinoff yep yeah yeah and this year should be just more direct uh-huh. you know this is the, the plot line this yeah. is what we're going for we're following master chief now yeah yeah plus I, also i i mean i have to address this because i'm sure many people have addressed this over the years of when the show was even going on <laughs> I don't think they should have took off Master Chief's helmet. I mean, mm. I don't know if that's just me. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. Because, I mean, because it, it, honestly, it showed his ginormous <laughs> nose. <laughs> I just think it... <laughs> I, I, honest, I honestly just think... And I know it may, like, Paul, I think... I, and this isn't being petty, but obviously I, I don't think you probably would think it is. But I just... I mean, it takes away the mystery. Like, even in Halo, like the second Halo, and as well as the third, they always teased at his identity. It's the same thing with, like, Judge Dredd in the comic books. Like, his helmet, his whole, you know, suit was, like, his identity. And it made him more intimidating and scary, like, and the it's fact tricky. that you didn't, yeah, like, you it's didn't a, know who was under the helmet, it's, like... It's a fine line to, to walk. I see, they could get away with them in the games, because they can have all these alternate camera angles to, sh- to show from. Yeah. Uh, but, but in the TV show, in a live action, uh, you... In order to make it work, they really, really have to work with a lot of body language. And with that, that certain helmet that Master Chief wears, uh, I, I think they could make it possible, but it takes some trickery. I, I'd like to see him dial back the amount that he's out of the mask, uh, but see him more in suit and all that. But yeah, yeah, yeah they that would be cool. They you know better what, balance. You know what would, would have been cool. a great idea for you know the the subseries like we're talking about the little off branch uh, mm. you know between years, mm. is they could have made a live action uh, comedy spoof off of Red versus Blue. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah that was a... <laughs> For anybody that's seen oh, that. Yeah, I remember that, that show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still going. It's still going all these years later. I, every now and again, I'll check in and just check out a random video. I'm like, yeah, there's... They, they actually, they got really impressive with the CG they started implementing in their shows. Uh, oh, really? It, it, they, I haven't bro- seen it in probably 20 years. They, they, like, broke away from Machinima, and they actually started using a lot of heavy-duty CG animation, and I was like, oh, wow, this is... They... they I guess they got real, they got bought by another company and got really bankrolled yeah, so they, there. They could have taken and, yeah. some of the characters, you know, from the first season mm. and just like had them in like 
you know, a training program and oh, just have yeah. the red versus blue fun. thing oh, and just gosh. made, that made a little funny. comedy skit out of it. It would have been, <laughs> yeah. been great. That, that was, was a blast from the past. If, pe- if people do not know what we're talking about, just look up a couple of random red versus blue Halo sketches online. And, yeah, really good use of machinima. And, yeah. It's, it's like spy versus spy, except for it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, my so God. Funny. Why are we here? <laughs> yes. Why are we here? To, get the, to get the flag. No, I mean, why are we We're here? here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh, final thoughts on the first why two. Why are we here? <laughs> Still got six episodes left here. Eight episodes, second season. Uh, final thoughts, what you look forward to in the remaining six episodes? Uh, well, I'm wondering, what is it, the flood? Is that what they call oh, it? Oh, right. I'm yeah. wondering if they're going to introduce the flood. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. I, I, it seems like they could get so much ground out of the Covenant still from what just from playing the games over the years that... I see. I can see them making them like a small, like uh, like Easter egg teaser at the very end of this season to make you keep you on your toes for season three. If they were to introduce them pretty early in season two, uh, it would just seem too early. But if they do, I'm all for it. That (laughs) would be fun to see. Like honestly, because they did they did a really good job. Like I saw a few episodes, uh, but I was like, wow. They really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, the flood. I'm in. I think they're still like all these years later in video games. Uh, they're kind of the, the the flood as like one of the best surprises in all video game storytelling for in the very original Halo. What, uh, so if people have played it, they they know. So, but uh, yeah. So that's our kind of initial thoughts of Halo season two. Uh, we'll be checking in with it periodically on the next few episodes of big screens and TV streams as it progresses. So next up, we're gonna do our movie swap. Oh. Uh, but actually, wait, no, I, I forgot. I got Victor. You got you got some updates from before we do that. You got some updates for us in the Marvel DC comic book world there for us. So yes, so you'll all be happy to know because I knew not only am I excited, but I know Dale and Paul are excited because they just wrapped up. Deadpool and Wolverine, and originally everyone was like, well, why didn't they just do this back in the early 2000s? Filming and post-production is yeah, final like, stages. Yeah, yeah, well, not even just that, but the, you're probably asking, and I know a lot of people are asking, well, why didn't they just team up in Wolverine, you know, or, you know, Wolverine's Origins. Well, unfortunately, Marvel back in the day, really quick, did not like the fact that, you know, Deadpool, they didn't really know who he was. And because they were already being successful with their PG-13 projects, David S. Goyer, when he was done working with Ryan Reynolds on Blade Trinity, which was not a really good experience for anyone except for Wesley Snipes, apparently, um, they, he just like, I didn't want to work on any other projects except for Deadpool. Well, when they came with the idea to Fox, well, Fox was already making, like I said, profitable counts on their PG-13 movies. Well, when Deadpool dropped, it killed all the PG-13 movies and then some, making so much money that they were like, okay, well, we're going to do it, but you can only do it this way because th- when are you going to ch- get a chance to play this character in the future? So he took the role in that very not so happy movie and he made his own movie. And then, of course, he's now at this point, And, of course... We finally get to see him and, of course, the lovely and always sweet, beautiful, talented man that he is, Mr. Hugh Jackman, put on the claws for one last time, even though that he keeps saying he's going to hang it up. But, I mean, there's I, I just I just don't think there's anyone else who could play yeah, that man. They like, just released an, a new trailer at the Super Bowl. Yes. So, so yeah. if you guys did not see that, it was so, so funny. Like... I am Deadpool Jesus. I am literally Deadpool Jesus. So I see here for the date July 21st for Deadpool 3. Yes, and literally you guys are you guys got to like get into this cuz man, I I don't know how excited you guys are, but I know how excited I am. I know how 
Oh man, like I'm ready. Love I'm the, ready. Love let's, the Deadpool movies. Let's go. Let's go. Because Victor, I mean, come on. I see another topic you had is Marvel finally released a cast list for Fantastic Four. Yes, and uh, this is a very unique casting list too. Okay, so uh, now this is Marvel's kind of getting a little cheeky about their uh, their cast list a bit. And so um, apparently. Uh, Pedro Pascal, he will be Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is Miss... Uh, not John Krasinski? Woman. No, not John Krasinski. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. John Krasinski, that was a McGuffin, yeah. if you all have not seen. Oh, uh, yeah. The only reason they did that was uh, to tease Mr. Yeah, Mr. John Krasinski. I thought he would have been amazing, yes. Mr. Fantastic. But because his wife at that time, uh, for those of you who did not know, his wife, Emily Blunt, was actually offered the role of Invisible Woman many years ago. However, she didn't believe in superhero movies at the time, and so she took Gulliver's Travels, uh, which was a movie with Jack Black, which did not do very good at the box office, but I still thought it was a very cute movie. It was a kid's movie. Like, give it a break. And, of course, uh, the rest of the cast, uh, like I said, is Vanessa Kirby as Invisible Woman, uh, Moss uh, Branch, uh, or Brad Branch, excuse me, as the the thing, and Joseph Quinn as Human Torch. So, I mean... uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this cast. Uh, now, I, I have to say this because, much like I said, I mean, with the Halo thing, it's. I'm going to be like Paul because I'm going to be petty for a second, guys. But you guys got to stop doing this whole, you know... I, I know I, we love... Because Pedro Pascal, what a fantastic actor he is. He's an amazing actor, but you got to stop doing what you did last time with fan four stick. You can't take characters who are, you know, of different races and make them that. The reason I say that not to be mean, but it's because these characters, you need to represent them in a way that they were drawn. Like for example, Johnny storm is white. Michael G. B. Jordan is black, and not because he can't play a character like that. It's because, number one, he's a great actor. So you need to make sure that, as a great actor, put him in a movie that really suits his acting, you know, prowess. That is not a movie that really accentuates his acting prowess. I thought he was a great superhero in the movie Chronicle. Oh, he was fantastic. He was phenomenal in that movie. Make more movies like that. However, Josh Trank... You need to fix your attitude, then you can come back and make more movies like that. However, yeah, if you make movies like that, yeah, that's that's a movie that really accentuates the acting prowess. Not only as a superhero movie, but just as a movie in general. But like I said, please, in the future, like, just... Just be better about that. So any other Marvel DC uh, comic updates, Victor? Um, besides the fact that, uh, of course, and Dale will appreciate this. Like I said, uh, it's coming up, guys. I mean, Daredevil is uh, not yes. only facing his trials and tribulations in Born Again, uh, which is a great story. If you haven't read it, please do, because, man, it's a hell of a story. And he takes on a lot of trials and tribulations of that story. And Kingpin is returning. Vincent D'Onofrio, yes. who is playing Kingpin. And, of course, Dale will, of course, love... Of this the man the myth the man who takes no prisoners absolutely not mr punisher will be in uh, born again and he will be slaying anyone in his way barenthal oh yeah he's he's returning and and punisher will be taking on bullseye which i'm super excited that will be fantastic oh yeah yeah. and the fact that those two hate each other i i really want them to like 
do it like they did in the comic books where he just like karate chops him in the throat and literally just like throws right, so him many right good so oh, many good tales be, from the comics of those two. Oh, yes. that's gonna be so epic. Those three. <laughs> like that's gonna be a bloody mess and I can't wait for it. So I hope oh. you're all excited. So. Victor, that was very, very cool, man. A lot of big updates in the DC or D- Marvel world of movies and comics or and TV shows. Heck yes. yeah. So remember guys, if you're gonna get ready for all these shows and movies, remember Deadpool, so on summertime, get ready on July 21st. <laughs> oh, it's going to be epic. Oh, gosh. Hell yeah. Movie day, yo. All right. So next up, we're going to do our big movie swap. So uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we all picked a movie. We all presented a few choices for all of us to pick a few movies to watch. And so we're going to kick it off with Victor's pick he presented for Paul and I to choose. And we picked The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from 1966, uh, Clint Eastwood joint well i guess i wouldn't say is let i want to say like screen time is it's pretty even with him and uh eli wallach as tuco and then also uh lee van cleef as angel eyes yes those represent the good the clint eastwood is the good yes uh tuco is the bad and then angel eyes is no excuse me angel eyes is the ugly Ugly, yes (laughs) and uh yeah gosh yeah so yeah so the Here's the IMDb synopsis for the film. And this is, by the way, directed by uh, the one and only Sergio Leone, responsible for Fistful of Dollars, Once Upon a Time in the West, many other classics. And Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. You got to see that movie. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, So here's the synopsis. A bounty hunting scam joins two men in an uneasy alliance against a third in a race to find a fortune in gold buried in a remote cemetery and this is also i put in my notes this is also for people who haven't seen this you most likely have heard one of the most stereotypical associated uh hums or tunes associated with western movies i think we can all sing along to it Sorry oh. to grate your ears, everyone, oh, but that this movie is responsible for that classic tune. And Paul pulled up the pictures there. There you go. You can see it. Angel Eyes is behind me there. Yep. Uh, yeah, Mr. Lee Van Cleef playing him. Then we have Tuco uh, directly behind me uh, right right there, yep, the played ugly. by Eli Wallach. And then Clint Eastwood is, he's just referred to as Blondie in yeah. the film, even though he does not have blonde hair. <laughs> no, he's just referred to as Blondie yeah. in the movie. And it's actually, seeing this old of a Clint Eastwood movie, it is actually kind of odd for, for the first time in a while seeing him with dark hair. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. like originally, so if, you, if you've never seen this show, this was before Mr. Clint Eastwood was a big deal in Westerns. So his first start was on a show called Rawhide. And man, dude, he was just as badass as he is. And dude, just look at him. Mm-hmm. He is just the mysterious, the man with no name. Yeah. That was his trademark, man. The man with no name. And he did that not only in this movie, but in A Fistful of Dollars and the Dollars Trilogy. Oh my so, God. That's so so cool. I... I've never seen this movie before. Or if I did, maybe I saw little bits and pieces off cable when I was a kid. But I just don't have a, that. I probably saw that for at least a few random Eastwood westerns from way back when. Uh, Victor, obviously, you saw this since you presented it to us. Paul, I, have I you seen up, this before? I grew up with Clint Eastwood. Uh, movies, I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I had never actually watched the full movie. And, and it, yeah, do you want my opinion on it? Go, go for it. Oh, dude. So it's really long. Yeah, three it hours. Is, it is very long. Three yeah, hours. and. Every single other ten minutes, you hear that iconic tune. Yep. It is definitely overused. Yeah. It is so overused. They do mix in a few others later on, but it's it yeah. is definitely way overused. It was a trademark for westerns, man. And, but I and I would have just called this movie the ugly. Like I was uh, telling uh, Dale that 
I mean, what is it? Uh, Tuca, whoever Tuco, that is. Yep. Tuco. Tuco, the actor for that. I, I think 75% of this movie is him. Yeah. And, like, they got Clint Eastwood's on the cover? Yeah. I mean, 75% of the movie is the, the ugly guy. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say quite 75%. I, you know, I think I would say uh, 50% Tuco, 30% Eastwood, 20% Angel Eyes. Actually, a lot of the early part of the movie is Angel Eyes. Like, the first, like... Half hour or so. Well, once you once you get to hit, once you get to Blondie, which is Clint Eastwood's character, he he doesn't have to even do anything. They want to focus on these two mm-hmm. because by the time they get to Clint Eastwood, he literally will just because he's not even rushing. He's just like I'm just waiting for those two to fall. Well, man. it's actually you know what's interesting is for like the first ten to twelve minutes, there's no dialogue at all in this yeah, movie. They're just no setting the stage with all these nice kind of panoramics, yep. cuts, and cinematography, really showing off the West from back way back when and. Uh, and then one you got to really learn of an uh, angelized character uh, for Lee Van Cleef is really focusing on him. And as he's kind, tr- he's like doing these long monologues as he's uh, about to take out one of his targets for a couple, a couple of targets uh, for he's like really big in this first half hour. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Coen brothers, no country for old men uh, with uh, Javier Bardem's character. So uh, did any of you guys get that? Uh, the, those uh, similarities pick up for you too, for this at all. I did. I did a lot, uh, not just for the West, Western uh, themes of it, but just the fact, like, in, in the Coen Brothers movie, like, you have to remember, uh, and and because the first part of the movie has no dialogue, ladies and gentlemen, if you think, in Coen Brothers, they had no music. There was no music, there was nothing but dead silence. And like I said before on this show, if there makes anything that, I, I tell you, if there's nothing that makes a movie great, is that you don't cheapen your silence. And that's what they didn't do with this one. They didn't cheapen their silence. They used the theme very well, but they also knew that intense moments when they do the close-up shots of the eyes, they're like, make your move, Padre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that was really good about this film was just the cinematography. Yes. I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, the, the plot and the acting was good and everything, but... Like I said, they did a really good job with cinematography, and I couldn't yes. imagine how much work it would have taken to be oh, able to do that back easy. in, you know, well, there's like a, 66. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, those movies were not easy to make. Well, especially, I think, the scene when you mentioned that that aspect for what couldn't have been easy working with all that equipment, the scene that comes to mind for me is that uh, in a big middle part of the movie, like a really extended stretch, uh, I thought they probably could have at least shortened by half at least, was uh, making where Tuco captures uh, Clint Eastwood's character Blondie and makes him do a tortured trek across the desert wastes yeah. for mm-hmm. ever and ever and ever. I'm just thinking, like, wow, how are they filming this? And, yeah, and they uh, did a great job with yeah. the special effects of making him look so dehydrated yeah. with, you know, his In the boils. Because yeah. uh, they made him they made him sweat like no other and looking at this too i mean it's kind of crazy because i mean this is obviously something that i wouldn't know but i mean 1.2 mil in the box office and they made 38.9 yeah i mean that that, budget 1.2 box that's a pretty good return on investment oh yeah yeah. huge. mgm was making (laughs) bank at that time and the westerns were their golden tickets and clint eastwood like i said this was his golden opportunity not only just in westerns but just in all movies of mgm so so you say this was his big breakout role for western movies oh yeah for 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 anyone like i said who who grew up with clint eastwood like i did when i was a kid my dad raised me on clint eastwood and this movie was it oh my god like this show not only how badass he would be in the near future but this just showed how much clint eastwood like was known for his trademark did this come out before uh, uh dirty harry 
Yes, this actually came out before Dirty Harry because Dirty because Dirty Harry was in what, mid to late seventies. No, I was early seventies. I want to say almost mid, almost mid to late seventies. So almost. yeah, this would be Clint Eastwood's like yeah. This was his swan song I, I, before, I, what, before what Dirty Harry. Of, what I thought about when I was watching this was uh, Clint Eastwood um, being like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and. Oh, and Django. Are you talking about Django? Oh, Django Unchained. No, um, no. What was the other one? He he played like a Western actor. Oh, was it that? Oh, you mean Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was like thinking like DiCaprio was actually playing like Clint Eastwood's character, you know, for this or Brad Pitt in that. You know, yeah. Once when, upon a time at Hot, but he yeah. only played bad guys. He was he was playing a bad guy in that movie. Context for that movie, he was playing a bad guy because back in the day, ladies and gentlemen, well, uh, actors would play bad guys, and when they had to play those kind of roles, that was what they. Well, no, at, at that once upon a time in Hollywood, DiCaprio's character, he was famous, yeah. for being like a a country or a western a, a western, yeah. a western yeah. character, yeah. And that's what made me think of Clint Eastwood, kind of like. His up and coming thing. It's almost yeah. like he mirrored Clint Eastwood's yeah. career to create that character. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I see no, what you're no, going. Yeah. That, because that's what they were focusing on on those times was westerns. Yeah. Westerns were a big hit for oh, yeah. those kinds of movies. And oh, those yeah. were the only roles that you were going to get. Because, like uh, in the movie, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, for context, back in the day, if you were an actor and you were playing these kinds of roles, you, and because his character was like, well, can, can I play a good guy for once? And he's like, come on, man. You're, you're so good at playing the, the bad guy. Come on. The, the bad guy is what sells. And if you don't play that, then, then people are going to start questioning. Not, not a lot of people are going to start, you know, getting their butts in seats. So, so yeah. I mean, we could talk about this movie forever. We should probably yes. got a few more things to talk, a few yes, more other right. movies to cover here. So we should probably give some yes. final thoughts yeah, on the good, going. the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I'll just say, maybe just go around the table for a favorite scene in the movie. Uh, I'd say for me, just keeping up with the easy and uneasy alliance between uh, Tuco and and Blondie, how they were constantly turning against each other and were seemingly forced to ally with each other when the odds were suddenly against them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're forced to uh, suddenly in, uh, enlist, quote-unquote, enlist with the Union Army uh, when they accidentally walked into an imminent uh, Union and Confederate battle mm. about to play out. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, uh, and I, though I am very, very confused. How the hell did Tuco and uh, Blondie get away in plain sight, wiring up a bridge to explode in front of all their allies? <laughs> they I just let them w- wire it up, and then they just re- re- went back to their spot where all the people were waiting for the attack to hit. That I mean, it made oh, for yeah. a nice visual, a really good visual, that little Civil War battle scene. Mm-hmm. But th- that was a little bit of a, I think, I can see how they got away with it back then, but just kind of like one of those things where all these years later watching it with a fresh set of eyes, it's like, ah, I don't know uh, something about the way this is playing out or, but, but it looks great, but probably my favorite scene in the movie is probably the ending. I absolutely loved the ending. Uh, we're going to spoil a hugely, uh, long, uh, old, older film here, but, uh, uh, especially with the callback with Eastwood sparing Tuco, uh, you thought for sure he left him out to left him for dust to die on his own accord on his balancing act with that noose. But the way they played it off in the end, he had a little tease, and then just you know again you hear that dumb musical cue and the way it wrapped up. Absolutely loved like probably the whole last ten minutes or so yeah. of the good and the bad, the ugly. Probably my favorite part of the film, uh, Victor. Uh, honestly, I, I will say yeah, the ending was. I mean, because I have a lot of favorite scenes in this movie. Uh, I love the two. Well, I'll start with the first one. The 
the two uh, Tuco uh, when he went to this kind of like church area and he had to visit his brother. Uh, but his brother was not having any of it. He wasn't going to accept him in any way, even though he was like, "Oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta score, man. I gotta score." No, he literally was having none of it. Kicked him out, saying. Get out of here. And the, also the paper part was when they were, like like Dale said, they were in that grave kind of yard. In that, yeah, that little circle <laughs> graveyard pit. Um, and the funny thing was, like, the close-up shots, literally, of their sweating brows. And the the fact that that, that cinematography not only is booming, was just, like, the eyes were the windows to the soul, literally. And I love also at the end when he was literally – one of my favorite lines that Clint Eastwood always says, he's like – there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. And literally, it's just like yeah. that, that grumpy voice. Like, he, he must swallow, like, sandpaper. Because, like, <laughs> oh, my God, the, the way he just sucks is like, you ever mess someone which you shouldn't fucked with? Well, that's that sandpaper-esque voice. I love it. Oh, good, good, good God, mentions there, Victor. Cl- Paul, God, favorite, favorite part of the movie. Uh, when uh, he had Clint Eastwood uh, getting him to hang himself. Yeah. Because, uh, mm. again, like with what Victor said, I mean, the close-ups with them, you know, just... Yeah, just... The, the, the emotion and the acting was just phenomenal. It also cracked me up, too, because in the windows, the background, you could... Clearly, see it was like they painted, yeah, like a background, yeah. That would, <laughs> like, there, like no, there was totally. nothing behind the windows. No, obviously, all practical effects, practical effects. Yeah, practical yeah. Effects, yes, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, just the the, the acting was phenomenal. Oh. I mean, they didn't need CG. You know, they had no. painted backgrounds. They were on a set, but oh, yeah. the close-ups. I mean, they were sweating, yeah. and you know, it, it, it was just really phenomenal how well of acting. Yeah, yeah, that they did there. So oh, yeah. I love Clay's. I'm that. with you guys. Uh, so yeah, cool. yeah, really good movie. I don't know if I'm as high as, as the Rotten Tomatoes critic and audience. Ninety-seven, both ninety-seven percent. I'm with you, Paul. I think they probably could have easily trimmed this down to like two fifteen, maybe even two hours instead of three hours. But you know, that's kind of like hindsight twenty twenty. I could see why it got so high. It was probably revolutionary for its day. It raised the bar. So it did but, very much so. Uh, we should move along. I guess speaking of raising the bar, our friends at O for Heaven's Cakes know how to raise a bar for good homemade baked goods. And that's what better way to treat yourself than going to O for Heaven's Cakes and more in the Grand Cities Mall. You'll find the best cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion or just a treat. Walk in to find out more. But be forewarned, you will not want to leave O for Heaven's Cakes. They're located on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall. Open Tuesday through Friday from 10 to 4 and on Saturdays from 9 to noon. Give them a call 701-757-2253 or email oforheavenscakes at yahoo.com. Be a beautiful cupcake in a world full muffins that's oh for heaven's cakes in the grand cities mall all right we're keeping this movie swap marathon going two more movies to cover uh here's my here is my pick that uh, paul and victor ended up choosing from the three movies i presented to them uh they picked the 2009 mike judge uh drive comedy extract and the setup for this is <clears throat> excuse me joel the owner of an extract plant played by one jason bateman tries to contend with Myri- a myriad of personal and professional problems, such as his potentially unfaithful wife and employees who want to take advantage of them. Uh, so, oh, man. Jason Bateman, the uh, just the very, very just uh, ambivalent uh, 
extract plant owner has quite the he's all about the factory lifestyle you know mike judge he did a workplace comedy with office space yes. that was a bit more over the top not once say over the top it definitely had dry comedy in there too but there's a lot of just in your face comedy zingers you know like oh someone's got a case of the mondays or here's a jump to conclusions matt this extract more of a dry comedy another workplace comedy but with a factory uh job lifestyle how did this work for you uh Paul, I'll throw it to you first, your extract. Oh, I love dry humor, and I love Bateman. Same. Uh, The one scene that just really stood out to me, and it just cracks me up, is uh, when he's taking the the massive bong hit. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) that was not fake. No. I I mean, I've had had my share of bong hits, and him doing the... Yeah. I mean, I it was yeah. it was totally real. He was totally hitting a bomb. I guess I yeah. forgot he got that from one. I completely forgot one when I, I rewatched this myself a few days ago. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Ben Affleck's in here, a pretty it's, notable yeah. uh, supporting character, not yeah. a main character, but yeah, he was quite the uh, foil for Bateman to play off of. Yeah, yeah, he was oh. he was he was pretty hilarious in here too. And yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I I just get a kick out of these dry humor ones yeah. where you just. I mean, I'm trying to think of some example. You know, like the the two old ladies that work at the factory. Yep, you that got them just, in the background picture right behind yeah, Paul. I there, gonna, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, the, the fact that that lady, that even just watching, brilliantly this movie, played. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, like, she's like, they're not gonna do their job. I'm not gonna do mine. She's just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you see? They even when they we do it, they're still blaming us for being late. <laughs> I think. I think <laughs> the other part that really cracked me up too is so he hires this gigolo to have sex with his. Wife. Oh yeah, oh, he's and, such a dumbass. And, <laughs> and he, the, the guy, he just keeps going back, and then his wife Brad. says, like, what, you, "Like, what do you?" He's mean? like, uh, "No, like not twice or something." But his wife was like, "Yeah, you know, fifteen times." He's like, 15, 15 times. How can you even sit down? Like, literally, literally it's been fifteen, 15 days. days. Like, it's even been fifteen. Days. <laughs> he says, "How can you even sit down?" <laughs> oh gosh. You know, by the way, his wife, Bateman's wife, in this film, played by uh, Kristen Wiig, and this was kind of like yeah. right as she was breaking out with her yeah. kind of more over the top comedy, and for this, doing this more subdued style of comedy, it was yeah. more kind of outside of the box for for at least from her mainstream hits, anyway. Yeah, like from bridesmaids to like even uh, what the skeleton twins like that was hilarious. I think Jason Bateman. I mean, he is the the master of dry humor. Yes, he is. Arrested you know, Development, just amazing, ball, amazing show. Being every. Pretty oh, much, he's, yeah. He's he's awesome at it. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, he wasn't in dodge. Well, he wasn't in dodgeball. Yes, he was. I think he was a killer. He was a commentator. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, oh, he was actually remember? no. He was. Oh no, he wasn't. It's been a long time. He was, oh, he was. He was. He was one of the announcers during oh, the yeah, final tournament. It, yeah, that was my bad because he always kept saying cotton. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, nice little cameo. Yeah, this film. I guess you know. Speaking of cast, the casting for this is huge with a big. It seems like a big who's who of uh, of the time. Uh, comedy actors. Are, I, I mean, what you got? J.K. Simmons, yes. uh, Kristen Wiig, Jason Bateman, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, David Cochner, uh, or Cochner. I think that's how you say it. Uh, yeah, he's another. Another one of my favorite kind of like supporting character actors. Uh, yeah, Mike Judge assembled quite the cast for this. Um, what? How did you like the, the factory uh, work setting? Did that work for you guys? Oh, man, that just watching this movie made me think like, man, I work in a, in a warehouse. And the fact that like not only just like the moving parts of this movie, but just like, like I said, the the woman, if you can't see, like obviously if you can't see the woman who accuses everyone of just like, if you ain't doing your job, I ain't doing my job kind of thing. And not only that, but just like 
the, the this kind of workplace comedy, like it, it goes back to where like if you look at like mockumentaries, like not even Parks and Recreation, but just like The Office, like that kind of dry humor and very like like things that happen on the workplace. Like even when he got this guy right here got his like nuts. Skip. Oh my god, his nuts oh, handed gosh. to him. It, it it was it was like nobody cared, but at the same time, like everyone was just paying attention to like this this immigrant that they hired and it, like yeah, and they were like just blaming him for all these things. And he's like, "Are we going to? Are we losing our jobs?" Like, oh, like, and that's all he cared about. He's like, "I don't care about anything else. I just care." It's like, "Are we losing our jobs?" Like, that's all he cared about throughout the whole thing. But they're just like blaming him. And even when stuff was stolen and they got returned, I thought. What this this is just too real. Not only just a workplace comedy, but just like the fact that Mike Judge, man, like yeah. what a writer Mike he Judge, is. Yeah. Oh my god, like he, Mike Judge, like I'm surprised he didn't cre- not only just do like live action features for like his whole life, but just like he should have done that with King of the Hill. Oh, and uh, he like, should have done that with King of the Hill. This guy right here, I mean, nobody can see it. David Kochner, um, yeah, yeah, David Kochner, right there. I mean, everybody knows that guy. That yeah. neighbor, that, that like, guy that will just never let you leave a conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna wait till Paul mentioned that. <laughs> Everybody knows one of those guys. Yeah. It's just like yeah, one more thing. One, yeah, and you just uh, yeah. You're, so where so so uh, where are you going there? Did, did you did you like how he got his just desserts? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I, I felt so bad. He's like, how could many you? things like. I, I killed him. I really killed him. I think he would have wanted me to go to that Rotary Club meeting. I just, I, I'm going to it. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. So, but. yeah, anyway, about those, <laughs> those about tickets. <laughs> like, it went from $50 to about Oh, six. gosh. Anywho. Anywho. But, yeah, Extract, love the film. Glad you guys dug it. I forgot, I want to make sure to give a quick shout out to Mila Kunis, kind of like the other, the main foil playing. Oh, uh, she's at the height of her powers in there just a few oh, years her. after uh, I. Uh, after that 70s oh. show and just playing the klepto mischief maker in this film yeah. and I thought she nailed it uh, it's kind of like not that big of a role but she's kind of featured throughout the movie I thought I thought she was I, I really like how they implemented her in this film well even like in the first like if you guys watch the first part of the movie like the very start of the movie she like coerces these guitar dudes and it, I'm sure that anyone who goes into a guitar store and they see and they see guys like you know they, it's the finish man like the finish you're talking about the, it's like I don't know I just like what and colors they, are these in? yeah exactly and the fact that I was like by the time those two idiots left I knew, I knew from the second she like was just like done flirting, she took that guitar, went into her car and sped off. And the two of them were like, shit. Oh, man. good stuff. And the funny thing was, is the guy that was trying to be like, excuse me, excuse me. That guy was, uh, you guys didn't grow up with this show, which is, you should have, because it's a great show. Uh, he plays the father uh, of Lewis Stevens in Even Stevens, uh, which is really good because he's a great character actor as well. Because very, very Such great a character. deep cast in this film. Uh, quick stat. On a budget of eight million, box office ten point eight million. So it just broke uh, above, uh, uh, barely broke even a little bit there. So not 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 the biggest uh, take on it. But uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, I was kind of surprised with the ratings here: sixty two percent critics, uh, audience thirty eight percent. I was a little surprised at that number. There but uh, dry, just, yeah. a lot of people have a problem with dry humor. Yeah, yeah some because they're, they're, they're not yeah. intelligent enough. Yeah, to so, get it. some yeah. people don't like. You know how? No, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory, for example. Like when he has to be like when Penny tells a joke and it's really dry. He's like, "Is that sarcasm?" And Leonard has to literally hold up a sign. 
line that says sarcasm. Yeah, I can see a lot of people usually tolerate it in small doses, but this is it's heavy doses of dry dry humor in this one. But yeah, uh, how would you say for Mike Judge's three live action comedies he did Office Space, Idiocracy, Extract? Where would you rank this? Uh, I think all three movies are fantastic. But would you say this is top, middle, or 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 would you say this is your least favorite of the three? No, I would I would go. Uh, I, I think say, Idiocracy is top. Yeah, I would say Idiocracy. That really. I ranks. need to rewatch Idiocracy. I really loved it. Uh, Office Space is still my favorite. I, I love Office Space, but Idi- Idiocracy just like for Terry Crews, man. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I yeah. love. Now Upgrade. I know everyone's emotional. Oh, right. Oh gosh. Now. <laughs> but so there you go. That's extract. Uh, we're gonna move things along to Paul's pick that uh, Victor and I chose of the three movies Paul presented to us. Uh, the movie Doomsday from two thousand eight. So this uh, this is directed by Neil Marshall, who made Dog Soldiers and yes. The Descent, and it's a futuristic action thriller where a team of people work to prevent a disaster threatening the future of the human race, and this this threat is the Reaper virus, yes. and it's taking the movie opens off with a pandemic breaking out in Scotland, and the country is getting sealed off. As ever, the last people try to escape, you see this one desperate mom hands off uh, her her baby to uh, or a toddler to the military, uh, and they only have room for her on the helicopter. So this gir- this girl gets taken away, and she gets raised in the military. And now it's flash forward about twenty five years later or so, and now she's like a badass military agent. Uh, uh, Ro- this is Rona Mitra playing Eden Sinclair. And she's leading a group of uh, soldiers to go back to Scotland because they discovered life is still there. The government is surprised. They thought the virus would have killed everyone off in Scotland by now. And now the Reaper virus has made a mysterious return to London. And they're thinking now, since there's still life in in Scotland, that they must have found a cure. So she's sent with a team to go find this cure. And things go from there uh, I guess I, I, I thought I didn't see this movie. I think I saw it well, as I was watching it within like five, ten minutes. Like, oh, no, I saw this. I probably saw it like several years ago for probably a random Netflix disc movie from a while back. But uh, no, I, I'm glad I did rewatch it, though, because this, is, this was a fun one. Uh, Victor, let me throw it to you first here. I remember th- this movie has such great memories for me. Um, many years ago, and this was many years ago when I was a teenager, uh, me and my friend Joey, I was uh, having a sleepover at his house, and he put this movie on, man, and I was just so engaged by it uh, when I wasn't doing shenanigans with him. Uh, like, literally, this movie was so cool. Like, just, and, and Miss Rhonda uh, uh, Metra, she literally, she, um, funny thing was, is like, whenever I watched her on screen, I literally, like, and it was funny because she was a very, not an unknown actress, because if you go back many years, like, in the early, I want to say even mid to late early 90s, kind of, you would see her in movies like Hollow Man, and she was really, and even you'd see her in the early 2000s, you would see her, like, in Sweet Home Alabama, so, like, her doing this role was kind of very interesting, because she looks kind of like Kate Beckinsale I was just going to say that. Yeah, and she, and I was like, okay, she's kind of like being a Kate Beckinsale a little bit, but I think even her heights in this movie didn't reach very much and i was like she was really good like she committed to it and she was just as badass as miss kate beckinsale in this movie i mean the moves and the like just the choreography and everything i mean she was kicking ass and i really thought she could have been like really big if she kept going with uh, the action roles really um but this movie really did it for me because i mean you got a beautiful cast in here mm-hmm. like malcolm mcdowell uh you got the late 
Bob Hoskins. Yeah, late great like, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah, like literally. I mean, like this movie was packed to the brim. Not only that, but just I love the scene, and I will say this because this is a really cool scene, you guys. Like literally, when they when she reaches the wall in this movie, and Scotland is such a beautiful place to film, you guys. Like, oh my god, so many great films have been made there but when they filmed this movie there was this huge wall that they made for in post-production and when they went through it there was just like chains and everything that was like blocking everybody off and there was a and everyone was just like blocking off all the like the reaper virus people over here and over there and she was literally going through like this little um Kind of like trench, and so what they were doing was like the the cannibals in this movie. Man, they were they reminded me of uh, if you ever saw the movie Eli Roth's movie, uh, The Green Inferno, except for they didn't have full face paint on. But this woman, man, she was just like the ringleader of all of them. She had this like tribal tattoo, like like face paint on. She was so like like pissed and everything. And her boyfriend, dude, like these guys were so savage, man. Like they had bloody like like machetes in there. They were eating people like that was so cool and i was like why don't they do yeah. more apocalyptic movies like this this is so yeah. fucking cool they were just like eating people yeah and there's all definitely over their face. there's oh, definitely so- to say hints of cannibalism is, is is selling it short oh it was so cool Paul, like they had skulls on their like their outfits and i thought that was so cool bringing so, up the 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 oh, the costumes it reminded me a lot of uh paul would this be fair to say fair to say like a mix of uh Warriors meets Mad Max for all the various gangs they portray that they that the the, yeah. the squad here encounters in Scotland. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of post apocalyptic uh, movies and stuff, so, you know, things along those that nature. And this movie is, I mean, it's so entertaining. It does such a great job. And you know, I could be wrong, but you know, it's, it takes place for uh, you know after this Reaper virus, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure this is the third installment of. Uh, what was it? Uh, forty-eight hours later, twenty-eight days later, or twenty-eight days later? Uh, and it, yeah, twenty-eight days no, later. No, it was twenty-eight days later. Yeah. Yeah, it was twenty-eight days later, and then twenty-eight it, weeks later was yeah, twenty-eight yeah, weeks yeah, later. And I think later. this is the third installment of it, but they don't actually say that. They just say this is Doomsday because this is like twenty-eight years later. Yeah, something along those lines. Because the Reaper virus, I'm pretty sure, is the virus that happens in. I, I haven't later. seen either of those movies. I, I've, I've heard of them. Seen, so, seen clips. Oh, that, so yeah. to give you a quick context, ladies and gentlemen, so twenty eight days later, or twenty eight days later, uh, so call uh, Killian Murphy, uh, literally. So one of the most iconic scenes in all of zombie movies, literally, was him literally walking on an empty, like literally empty streets of London. Literally, there was nobody there. It was just him. They had to get up early in the morning. They it, it was an intersection in London. They had everybody, and it was full of trash and graffiti and all this other stuff. And literally, he's the only survivor that's walking through this empty streets of London. And then, of course, twenty. Uh, eight days or eight weeks later, um, the Reaper virus had literally just infected everybody. And all you see these disease-ridden people, like they're eating people and so and such. And so now this was this was actually supposed to be the third installment, but like Paul said, uh, they kind of changed the title and they were kind of stuck. Kind of backpedaled a little bit. Well, because they were stuck on the title and they. Didn't well, I think know the Reaper how- virus is over now. Now it's just a post-apocalyptic, yeah, futuristic uh, scenario. So. You know, when it takes place at the very beginning, you see the kind of kid rockish, yeah. you know, uh, punk kind of style people, but they're cannibals. Yeah. And, you know, they're drive, you know, 
jumping motorcycles and the huge and then, circus, like, all that kind of thing. Say, I don't want to say cyberpunk because it's well, not yet but, that movie. But or it, it's that just yet, but. it's just so well made because uh, she does such an amazing job. I yeah, can't believe R- that she Rona Mitra, yeah. yeah, I can't believe that she didn't get in way more action movies that's after what, this that's one. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean. Just, this is just a fun ride from beginning yeah. to end. Yeah. Watching this movie, lots of nonstop action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I mean it, it. It shows futuristic technology. Yeah, mixed with post-apocalyptic, like people are just primitive. Like, yeah, like, you get the, this movie's version. You yeah. get this movie's version of like Google Glasses, like several years before they existed, and like their version of smartwatches several years before they came onto the market. So it's kind of yeah. like uh, in a, like a way Star Trek predicts the future, kind of some ways. It's kind of Go- going against people that are like barbarians. Yeah, yeah like literally. And and I love the fact, and that's why I love the savages in the, in this movie because like it, it shows not only like like uh Dale said about uh, Star Trek, like how we look at uh like back in the day, like very back in the day, like you know, BC times where we had to hunt and kill for our food. But like in future technology, like how how much is advanced? Like we have AI now. So it's like what's primitive and what's you know what's accessible to us like now was like caveman time kind of thing and i thought it was so funny how they versed that in this movie and how it's like well was living like this better or was living well, like the ai better and like, one of the one of the reasons i picked this movie too is you know okay so they say it takes place in 2035 mm-hmm. but this movie if you watch it it almost holds up to standards of movies today yeah and it's 16 years old yeah, yeah. Which is really well, that it's kind of interesting because you know, yeah, it's 16 years old, but it's predicting what the future will be like, almost like a uh, just under 30 years away. And now we're getting closer to where we are. You know, in our present day here now, we're getting closer to 2035, and yeah. we're farther away from 2008. So we're kind of at this weird middle ground. Yeah, and it's it, it's, it's after kind of basically a pandemic. Yeah. yeah, and and we just went through a pandemic not too long ago. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it just shows you know it's. You'd all, you'd almost think that it was based off of a video game mm-hmm. because yeah. you know you have these these over the top costumes, these different uh, what are they called or factions, factions, yeah. Yeah. factions of people, you know, and you like you the, said, it's 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 a modern day warriors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what that was the vibe I got from. I I enjoyed. It. I thought they mixed up all the the various factions too. You got your Mad Max faction. Uh, yeah, you, you got your like uh, immune King Arthur medieval faction, yeah. which is a, a, they really mixed it up. Gave a nice diverse style of action, melee combat, uh, old school weaponry combat, melee. Uh, with, with, then you get some hand to hand intense yeah. action there, some sword play. Then you get the Mad Max car chase, where it's like, okay, I'm all into this. It's mixing it up a lot, keeping me on my feet for for where. The this movie's going i had no idea but yeah this was a fun action thrill yeah. romp i was yeah definite thumbs up for me uh victor paul final I, thoughts i absolutely love this movie like like paul said this is just a fun a post-apocalyptic you know ride from ending to beginning and you're never gonna like the action is never gonna stop like in, and like i said before like i love that they filmed in scotland i've never been there personally but i've seen a lot of films filmed in scotland oh my gosh like the the cinematography the action sequences the 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 costumes the post-production everyone did a such a great job on this movie and funny thing like like Paul said, like we weren't really that far off on this movie because like things panned out. Well, I mean, come on, like you know, we might as well just have gone back to 
you know, these kinds of times, like medieval times, I mean, th- we're really not that far off. Like, if we go back to the Dark Ages, like, I would rather go back to the Dark Ages than AI just because, I mean, I would fight with a sword than fight with a gun because it's, like, more honorable way. But that's so, just me, so. Uh, Ron, Tomatoes Critics, uh, 50% aggregate audience, 44% aggregate uh, budget. Uh, it was made on a 17 million pounds budget, but box office, global box office, uh, converted to dollars, $22.5 million there. So not, not too bad. bad. And I imagine no. home video over the years making it even more standing out over the years later, too. So And and fun, and fun fact, everyone, if you want to see more of uncut rated, ver- go to the uncut rated version if you can find it. It's really cool. It has more scenes in there, so that way you can see what else they put in there. Because when the it, the scenes hit the cutting room floor, it's like, uh, well, I understand you could have trimmed the fat, but trust me, you'll you'll enjoy it. By the way, I should mention too. Uh, I wa- I think all these movies are out available to watch on streaming. I watched uh, Doomsday and uh, uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly on HBO Max, mm-hmm. and then uh, Extract. I, well, I saw my disc copy of Extract, but I know it is available to stream on Pluto. Is yes. that how you guys watched it? Yep, I yep. watched it on Pluto uh, when I was at my parents' house, so yep. All right, so yeah, there you go. Those That wrap puts an end cap on our first ever movie swap. We, guys li- like this experiment? Think maybe worth re- maybe revisiting this experiment several months later, maybe? Honestly, yeah. yeah. We should keep doing this, because yeah. this is really fun. Like, it not only that, but it's just like the fun... Like introducing some new movies well yeah. not even just that but just like the genres like yeah. it doesn't matter like whether it's dry comedy whether it's you know westerns whether it's post-apocalyptic like i really like this so yeah. like we should keep doing this heck yeah paul think you'd be down for another movie swap later this year sure heck yeah let's do it up yes yes i'm glad well it gave me a reason to finally watch the good the bad and the ugly and uh, i was glad to expose you guys to extract and i completely forgot about doomsday but was glad to revisit it so yeah be on the lookout for that maybe once again uh, maybe later part of this year so uh still a little bit more show to come here a couple more segments but before we get there we it's time to hear some words from our friends at church chill shoes Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SaaS dealers in the Upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. All right, we are back and it is time for the one, the only... Victor's Action Figure Showcase, and Victor, I heard you are going to lay down the gauntlets for us today. Was that referring to your action figure for the week, or is it something else you have in mind today? It, it was, but it was for action figure, but there was also uh, another segment that was in Quick Takes that I wanted to do, uh, which was really uh, quick. So I will get, of course, the action figures, like, really two seconds, because it's, like, right here. All right, so Victor is grabbing his action figure of the week to show off here for the Action Figure Showcase. 
And I guess while he gets that, maybe I'll just uh, jump. We'll just do the noteworthy theatrical streaming new releases now. We'll jump to Victor's action figure showcase afterwards here. So, noteworthy new streaming movies. Oh, whoops. There we go. There I am. <laughs> noteworthy new streaming movies and shows. We have Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 12. I mentioned at the top of the show, they take two years off in between seasons. 24 years. 12th and final season of Larry David's hit comedy. New episodes will be dropping Sunday on HBO and on Max. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Remember that Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie from, what, 2005 or so? Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was okay, but it had some good action. But uh, they're doing a TV series for it now on Amazon Prime Video. It just dropped there. The Mr. and Mrs. Smith Season 1 with Maya Erskine and Donald Glover as the stars. Uh also new dropping on streaming on HBO on HBO on TV and on Max on streaming is Tokyo Vice season two, where Ansel Elgort and Ken Watanabe star as a journalist and a detective teaming up to take on the Yakuza. Uh, wait, I was about to say, wait a minute, they they uh, promoted that many years ago. I don't know why they're promoting it again. So I mean, that- I, I guess I just on my there's this weekly uh, what's coming to streaming checklist uh, website I visit. Oh, I, I referenced okay. that. It said season two is dropping. So maybe the season one was a few years back. Or? Yeah, I was about to say they they did. They took them that again. The gap needs to stop, yeah. guys. Like, Gaps. come on. I, I know your shows are expensive. I know, but it, it takes a long time to do these kinds of shows. But like, guys, come on. <laughs> Also hitting Amazon Prime Video uh, is Upgraded. It stars Camelia Mendez, Archie Renault, and Marisa, T- uh, Marisa Tomei uh, in this rom-com film about an aspirational art gallery curator desperate to do anything to procure the job. And then finally, Halo the Series Season 2 on Paramount+, Plus, as we reviewed earlier this episode. Notable new theatrical movies. We have Lisa Frankenstein, which hit theaters last Friday, where uh, you know Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda Williams, as she directed this uh, film about a teenager and her crush who happens to be a corpse as the duo goes on a killing spree for fresh body parts to reconstruct the corpse back to life. I saw the trailer for it. It was kind of trippy. <laughs> but uh, also, this one could be pretty interesting. A biopic on Bob Marley titled One Love hit theaters yesterday. It's all about the life, music, and career of the one and the only Bob Marley. And then, Victor, you're, you know, we I don't think any of us has any of us have brought up this movie even in our our comic book segments here too on the show but madam webb hit theaters yesterday the sony made marvel film about the spider-man character which stars dakota johnson as cassandra webb a paramedic in manhattan who develops the power to see the future and realizes she can use that insight to change it kind of like the final destination films that's what it kind of seemed to me yeah victor should we be hyped about madam webb there there is a reason why we did not uh I heard it's getting this. early negative bad buzz. Uh, yes, it is. Um, but this is this is for somewhat good reason. Um, I think people should still see the movie. Um, but I think they they really Sony has, like I said before on last week's show, guys. Um, do you remember when I told you? You know, when you make a movie and it's becoming a franchise, and the franchise is doing great because Marvel has been doing this for years. Sony has taken the liberty of taking a successful thing and trying to take that and trying to use it as their vehicle of success. You shouldn't do that. 
and that's the reason why their movies are really not doing very happily. Oh, I, yeah. I, well, actually, box office wise, their films are like even you know they may not be that well critically, but Venom huge gang numbers of uh, box office numbers. That, uh, Spider Verse huge huge oh, box office numbers. Well, that's only because Venom, like I said, Venom even Morbius was, did, did, or uh, is it Mobius or Morbius? I always get Mor- mixed up. Morbius, Morbius, it did huge box office, it, even though I wasn't a huge fan of it. it. It did, but that's only because, like I said before, guys, these are characters uh, of the Spider Man universe that a lot of people do not know about, and that's fine and dandy, and I love that you're experimenting because I really do. But uh, these, a lot of people didn't like Paul said about dry humor. Some people are not smart enough to understand it, and some people, I guess, are kind of not really. Uh, but anyway, the the point is uh, is that, like I said, I love that they're experimenting, but. I think this is a ploy uh, like they did with the Snow White kind of thing. Uh, if you all didn't know, there's a quick context to that. Uh, Miss Rachel Zellwick, uh, not, uh, this kind of woman who basically ruined the modern-day loving uh, adaptation of Snow White, uh, saying that, yeah, it's pretty much like woman power kind of thing, and uh, that's not what it was about. But uh, that's kind of like what I feel like this movie is, and it's... It's not that it's bad to do that, but, you know, you got to have characters work. You have to go on the hero's journey. It's just like Star Wars again, people. Luke Skywalker did this. Ray should have done it, too. And there should be no excuse for this. So. The hero's journey is right there. But still, go see it. Don't, don't let, you know, this loveling interview, even though I love these characters, don't let my thing influence you. I'm still actually, go see I it. actually think I'm going to try and catch it in the theaters just to see what Sony has cooked up for us. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, not, I'm, I'm having my expectations very low, though. So I, I also, that's why I said, even with Aquaman in this one, I'm having my expectations low because Aquaman did amazingly well, even though it was his last time as it. But like I said... Madam Web, so go see it. I want to see it this week because I was really looking forward to it, and I want to see what they did to it. All so. right. Well, we yeah. will shift gears, and we'll, Victor will throw it back to yeah. you for your acting figure showcase. We see we got your favorite uh, heroes in a half shell. Yes. Yeah, and we got about 10 minutes to wrap this yeah. up. Yes. Yeah, so we, quick, we better so, uh, bullet, bullet time it. <laughs> yes, so if you all did not know, Teenage Union Turtles 3 was the third and last installment of the live-action franchise that, you know, kicked off one of the greatest independent movies of superhero content ever. So they made action figures of these guys. Like, they said this was the worst movie in the franchise, which it wasn't. Uh, but they made incredible action figures of these guys. Now, to give you quick context, you're thinking, why are they in samurai outfits? Well, in THU Turtles 3, which was supposed to be Turtles in Time, actually, this is where they went back into uh, feudal Japan, and literally the war between British and the samurai were going on. So, of course, the Turtles had to get on, on the action, and look how great these guys look. And it's it's just great toy fare for these guys. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, look at them. Flashbacks to that third movie. This, uh, I remember it wasn't that well-received. I don't remember liking it the most, but those are some killer it, costumes. It, it, was, it wasn't well-received, obviously, just because, you know, Jim Henson who sadly passed away, God rest his soul. Uh, uh, he was not, uh, his team was not available to do that project and they thought it was going to be a clunker, so they kind of just scam ooh on that. So, but the, the animatronics were still pretty good for that time and uh, they, they weren't the greatest, but they were still pretty good for, for that, you know, the 1993 uh, spot that it was in. Um, but I 
still thought it was funny. Casey Jones was in it. April O'Neil was in it. And I mean, like I said, just the funny jokes because, I mean, Mikey was killing it all. And plus, there was a lot of references to a, another, you know, the kind of king of the, you know, rock and roll in there. So I thought that was pretty good. I saw Elvis in Hawaii. So that was still pretty cool. Victor, I dig the figures, man. Good stuff, man. Sorry to rush you through it. Any other final thoughts here? Oh, uh, no. Like I said, I'm just always glad to give you some really cool action figures. Now, mind you, there will be some more action figures in the future, so I might just throw down the huge gauntlet for this kind of segment, so just be on the, so just be on the lookout it. for that. So, All right. Well, we're just going to rush through our quick takes here since we're on a little bit of a, a, a timer here, so I'll go through mine here real quick first. I wrapped up Season 1 of Welcome to Wrexham on Hulu, uh, and they just dropped Season 2 in time. I really liked how it wrapped up and how, surprisingly, Ryan Reynolds and, and, and gosh, that, I, I forget the name of the actor from Always Sunny in Philadelphia with him. They turned that team around in Wrexham. Good on them. I'm about a few episodes into NASCAR Full Speed on Netflix. It's kind of like that NASCAR Race to the Championship uh, uh, docuseries that they did on Peacock last season. This is pretty much Netflix's take on NASCAR for Drive to Survive. Really, really good following along with the playoff season of the NASCAR of, as they follow along with some drivers. Uh, and plugging away at True Detective, I think we'll have more to say about that on our next show when uh, the show should be all wrapped up by then. And other than that, weekend plans, check out the Lucas Schaefer benefit tonight that I mentioned at the top of the show and hopefully catch some hockey this weekend. So, Paul, throw to you for your quick takes yeah i'm just uh waiting to finish true uh true detective and i think the last episode is dropping this saturday or sunday yep yeah i think yeah i think it was safe to say we'll do a nice kind of like part two reviewing that on next show yeah yeah it, you know it should be interesting it's, yeah yeah it's I'll, a good show i'm looking forward to how it wraps up uh any other quick takes um i thought there was something else that i caught but not coming to mind so nope Right on. Fair enough. Victor. Um, I'm very excited. Before I get into this, because it's going to happen, uh, last week on this show, uh, because I got to throw the gauntlet down for this, Paul said in, in the show that he said that Barbie was like, not getting his, you know, he got to get a lot of his minutes back. It was a great movie, but I will call you out because he loves Margot Robbie. He absolutely loves her, and this is and this is because we joked about this on last week's show. So I had to throw it back for that. I wasn't triggered by that. I just thought it was really funny how it's like she, if if she was a grandma, dude, she'd be the hottest grandma in the world. And I thought it was so funny how that he said that because I love Paul for that. But um, but uh, I will say uh, next week's show, dude. You guys got to get ready because I'm going to give two weeks or yeah, or the two weeks that we're going to come back to the show. I'm going to give the review of the week of one of the greatest movies I saw in theaters, which was Poor Things. Oh, my God. You've got to see this movie. What's that one about again? I remember hearing about it. Uh, so uh, to or- give you a quick synopsis about it, uh, Miss Emma Stone uh, plays this woman uh, who gets reanimated, uh, meaning that they took her brain out and they put another brain into her head, and now she has to relive life okay. uh, gotcha. in her own terms. So uh, that, uh, so like I said— I'll have to look into that one. It's really—like I said— in theaters? You, oh, right. yes. Yep. You need to see this movie. You and Paul and everyone need to see this movie. It's so good. The director— of it uh oh my god the the guy is just so incri- like the cinematography the camera work oh. it's so we'll, fucking we'll have to save it for two weeks yes, yes. Like, like i said i'll save it for two weeks and also like i said uh there will be another thing but i think i'll save it for next week also because like i said this is a 
really great video. And we're running out of time, so I'm sorry. But. All right. Well, we will wrap it up with that. We'll give shout out to our sponsors again for today's show with the Lucas Schaefer Benefit, uh, Wolf for Heaven's Cakes and More, River Cinema 15 in the Shire, and Churchill Shoes. And we welcome you to join us live for all future episodes every other Thursday at 1 p.m. Find past episodes by subscribing to GFBS everywhere you find podcasts and on social media apps. Many thanks for having us part of your day. Many thanks to Victor. Thank you, guys. And remember, two weeks. Get ready for that interview. And I always love being here, giving you what you need and what you want. Absolutely. Many thanks to Mad Max henchman producer Paul. And many thanks to all of you for having us part of your day. Until then, have a safe and great weekend. We'll be back in two weeks with wrap-ups of Halo Season 2, True Detective Season 4, and Victor's big, big hype here for the interview and poor things and so much more. Have a safe and great weekend, everyone. Peace out. See you.